After 17 years of living in Toronto, Christina Lord was desperate for a change. She'd been laid off from a job at one of Canada's top animation companies. And that's when life became chaotic and overwhelming. It, I didn't realize how much my work life had defined me. And I didn't know what else to do with myself. And then all of a sudden, I found myself at home with my two boys looking for another job in the Toronto area, found that other job, but still wasn't happy, started to really not feel fulfilled to the point that um, just things were not not in a great place for me. I was not happy. I think I was ready to have a bit of a nervous breakdown, to be perfectly honest, because I was working, um, trying to manage children, trying to manage a household. With the support of her family, Christina moved back to her hometown of Kingston, Ontario, and hasn't looked back. She's now a Reiki master and teacher, a reflexologist, professional mentor, motivational speaker, and mental health warrior. I grew up in a household with a father with schizophrenia. So part of when I talk about myself as a mental health warrior is I want to change the platform on mental health. I want to change it across Canada. I'd like to change it across North America. That's a big goal. Hear Christina's story of a complete life reset, as well as her takes on mentorship and the big responsibilities that come with being a leader. The captivating Christina Lord on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. today with Run It Like a Girl, podcast focusing on inspirational women from all different kinds of fields and industries. And today, we're so fortunate to be talking with Christina Lord. Christina is a mentor, a healer, a creative entrepreneur, and a mental health warrior. Christina, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Bonnie. I'm thrilled to be here and on your podcast. This is my first podcast, so I'm super excited. Yay! Hey, love you! <laughs> awesome. This is exciting. Oh, we're going to have fun. We are. Um, so why don't we just dig right in? I'd love, um, when we were chatting on our, on our call that we had before we did this recording, what I found so interesting about you is that you actually, you had a completely different life up in Toronto, um, where you, uh, um, were in a pretty demanding field and then you made the change and came to a smaller, smaller community. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what your time in Toronto was like and, and what was that kind of key reasonings Mm -hmm. for, for making a change? Okay. Um, so I lived in Toronto for about 17 years and now live in Kingston, have been in Kingston area for about three years. Uh, while I was in Toronto, I, um, worked as a design and animation producer for a couple of different companies. Um, what I did was represent artists, um, companies, and, you know, life was good. You know, I loved working with creative industry. I loved working with advertising agencies. And then I had a family. I started to raise two boys, had my kids in Toronto, and life started to get really busy for me. And I realized that my priorities started to shift. And so probably in 2014, the end of 2014, I got laid off from a job that I thought, wow, I'd made it because I was one of the top um, animation studios across Canada as well as uh, in the United States for animation. And when I got laid off. I got laid off for economic reasons, um, but I didn't realize how much my work life had defined me, and I didn't know what else to do with myself, and then all of a sudden I found myself at home with my two boys looking for another job in the Toronto area, found that other job, but still wasn't happy, started to really not feel fulfilled to the point that um, just things were not 
not in a great place for me. I was not happy. I think I was ready to have a bit of a nervous breakdown, to be perfectly honest, because I was working, um, trying to manage children, trying to manage a household. Um, and my mother came to visit me. She's from the Kingston area, and she was sharing some health news with me of her. And, and that's when I, I spoke to my husband. I said, hey, you know what? I think it's time for me to kind of let go of these ambitions I have and and really focus on family a little bit more, focus on maybe finding what I want to do now. And at 40, um, I I feel like I've I've come to that point in my life that it's it, it's been hard. Um, and people talk about that midlife crisis, maybe I'm going through it, but I really think what that means is I'm now speaking my truth. And I'm realizing that letting go of the ambition, the ego, and everything I wanted um, that I thought defined success at that time, which was a really great learning experience for me, wasn't the, um, what's the term, be, be, at, be end all to... Uh, oh, the end be, be. Oh, yeah, I can't I know what you're saying, yeah. what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. The end all be all. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Basically, I left Toronto, interesting enough, in 2015, left Toronto, um, moved to Kingston with my family and my husband, and found myself not working. And I got a job actually working for part-time for three friars, so Franciscan friars of the Catholic Church. And that was a very cool job because I was running their little office and really connecting to my spirituality at that time. And then my husband uh, got a job um, at a local company in the Kingston area, and life was pretty good. And then I realized I wanted to keep pursuing this path of entrepreneurship, and so I, I deep-dived into Reiki, so I became a Reiki master and teacher, and then I also became a reflexologist, and in turn, I also started to run a branch called Happy Healthy Women out of the Kingston area, and that branch grew to about 500 members. And so from that branch, I basically just you know encouraged women. I'd hold authentic, connecting morning meetups. I would have book clubs, and I, I just love the organization and, and what it's brought to me and what that has done is really get me out of my shell and also to meet other entrepreneurs. Um, but my biggest passion is when I work one-on-one -on -one with people and I really love the mentorship component. I love sitting with someone and helping them to come up with actionable plans to kind of get them to where they want to see themselves. And really a mentor is different from a coach. A mentor is someone that is there side by side. I'm not here to, um, I'm there as a coach, as you would define a coach as someone that guides and trains you and sets priorities, but a mentor really holds and holds you in hand and, and keeps you accountable, but also in a very gentle way. And I like that gentleness about it because we all need that in our lives. We need that sense of connection. We need to feel that gentle approach to life because life can get very hard. Um, so for me, mentorship is a very big po a component of my, my work. Um, and also it's a big component to my upbringing. Um, I grew up in a household with a father with schizophrenia. So part of when I talk about myself as a mental health warrior is I want to change the platform on mental health. I want to change it across Canada. I'd like to change it across North America. That's a big goal. And uh, with the help of Jenny Fitz, we recently were able to create a platform, an event platform called Elevate, which happened in Kingston. We brought Margaret Trudeau. And that for me was a very proud moment because it really opened 
the forum to authentic mental health dialogue where we are breaking stigmas down and the room was completely elevated with people that just strived on happiness. So for me, the mentorship component, being a healer in Reiki and reflexology and also a mental health warrior and bringing Elevate to the platform of North America, I think is a a massive undertaking. And I mean, and we talked a little bit earlier about the event that you had and, and, and that, you know, people, uh, people want more. So like people want those kind of things. They want those opportunities. Um, so I can imagine that it's, it might even snowball and, and what seems like a massive goal will, will hope could very easily become a reality mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to talk, you know, another thing that we talked about when we, when we had our pre-call was that, um, originally you were going to go into nursing. I was. I actually had big dreams about going into nursing, but to be perfectly honest, I failed organic chemistry three times and couldn't get past the chemistry components. But I just, I was, I was a volunteer, you know, at hospitals. I volunteered for the Friends of Schizophrenia Society. I was really heavily involved with things to do with social work. And I really had a passion for that at a young age. And then through academics and not feeling confident enough in my academics or smart enough that's where the mentorship for me is strong um, because as a little girl I wasn't I wasn't confident in my, my academics so I gave up pretty quickly on the nursing component and ended up going in, in a total opposite field but to be honest it taught me the lessons on communication and I would never like those those skills I've learned are probably half the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now and able to now really follow my dreams mm-hmm. which is I love the study of psychology and human behavior. I love the idea of serving others with with the highest of intention. Um, And I think I'm also a big believer on the idea of community and the structure of belonging. It's not just about an individual that we can that I can help change. It's really what can hap- what happens when one person decides to help a community change in their perception? What happens if two or three people get together to change a community's perception and the structure of belonging begins? You know, government's there, economics are there, but it really starts in the community and who you surround yourself with. And so you talk about, you know, not having that confidence as, as, a, as a younger person. And then, you know, three times this two more than I would have tried so good on good on you for the trying with organic chemistry what was that like like when you made that decision okay I'm just I'm gonna try something else I felt defeated yeah but really I didn't have the support no I didn't at that time so what do you think we can do because um I think you know there's so much pressure on on young people today uh to to be successful to figure out what they want to be and people are asked you know you're asked so young to figure out what do you want to be when you grow up what are you going to do when you're out of out of school? How do you think you start from a young age in instilling that kind of confidence so that you know setbacks? Um, you know, it's not failure. It's just it's just um, having to try something different or try it a different way. How do you how do you think? You so, with, when it comes, I'll speak on a per- personal note. My my son um, has Asperger's, and with his diagnosis, he also has dyslexia, and I think. He's nine years old, and I think with any parent, you want to equip your children. You know, they don't even have to have a diagnosis, but you want to equip them with the tools that they need. So if they're struggling with reading, they're going to have confidence issues in their reading. They're not going to want to read a book, for example. So for my oldest, I basically, I was like, 
okay, he's been told that he had struggles with reading, he's reading at a grade one level, what are we gonna do? We're gonna get him the tools that he needs to build his confidence. So we set him up with some very amazing tools, some organizations in the city of Kingston that helped get his reading up. He is now reading at the level he needs to be reading at because I took the time, me and my husband took the time every single week to sit with him, go to his classes and get him reading. So I think it takes a drive as a, an individual who, like for me at a young age, to be honest, just my circumstances, you know, my mother worked night and day. She had a, you know, a different upbringing. She really didn't have a lot of time. I think if she could have had time, because my father was institutionalized a lot. So it's all to do with circumstances. Okay. But I learned from those lessons that in order for my children to succeed or any children to succeed, you need to spend some time with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you've uh, you've given your son the confidence, right, to, to keep going. And he's a very charge. different boy from yes. being able to read. Wow, that's I, I bet. I mean, well, reading is is such a uh, a foundational mm-hmm. skill that is needed um, for anything that we do in storytelling and such an important part of a person that Mm -hmm. I can see how that could really affect someone if they're struggling in that area. But it takes one person to really see the potential in a child, Mm -hmm. in in a teenager, even as a, a, you know, someone just getting out of university, it takes one person to mentor and guide that, you know, because people can lose hope very quickly when they don't, when they're not seen. That's the idea is we all want to be validated. We all want to be seen. And when we stop being validated or seen, that's when our confidence drops. Yes, absolutely. If you feel like you're not being listened to, mm-hmm. that's, I, I find that can, that can quickly deteriorate confidence. Yeah. If you feel like you keep saying something, but nobody's actually hearing you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I think it all comes back to mentorship. Right? And having those people in your lives that can guide you and help you help you with that. Um, so so now you you've uh, you've you've kind of you've repositioned. You're building your life now. It's about three years, you said. Yes. In Kingston, mm-hmm. would you ever go back to Toronto? Would you ever? I would go back to visit, and I would go back to speak. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't be living in the. No, in no, again. no. I don't think so. I, I, I really love the uh, the community of Kingston and all it brings to me and my family. Yeah. And so, what's uh, what's next? Like, what do you? Uh, so you finished this event with Elevate. Are there future plans for uh, with that? Or? Oh, there's always future plans <laughs> and wonderful uh, ideas. And right now, I really, I really feel like. I just need to get back to the core work that has brought me here. And if it, as the events come in, they come in and I work through them. Um, but really, I, I just want to continue mentoring people. I want to continue working on, you know, in the holistic care practice of my, my, my business um, and just supporting my community at this time. That's fantastic. And um, so I'd love, to, I'd love to also ask you, um, is there anything that if you, if you did go back, and, and saw a 20-year-old or even a 10-year-old, 10, 20-year-old version of yourself that, that you would like to instill, that you, the advice that you would like to give? I would say to myself, do not be afraid. It seems scary right now and you might seem alone, but it's only going to get so much better and you just need to go for it no matter what. I think that's a, a piece of advice that every young person really 
could hear. Where, where fear lies, love doesn't lie there. So we, we really need to live in a place of love. Um, and I really strive and have strived for the last three years of this 180 reinvention of myself to really live in a heart-centered place. And I'm, I encourage a lot of people to live there because it's the best place to be. Because where fear comes, you know, it holds you back from all the choices that are probably the best choices for you. Because when fear comes in, we, we start not paying attention to our intuition. We're not paying attention to what is going on with ourselves. And we're so focused on outwardly, um, you know, validation. I keep talking about validation. I keep talk, talking about things. We don't need validation from anybody to do anything because in the end, you have to validate it to yourself. That is the only person that matters. You know what? I'd like to ask you kind of a follow-up on that. And sure. I, and I think I've, I've got a great sense of it then is uh, authenticity and leadership. Mm. How do you, uh, how do you instill that? How do you, um, how, like, what does that look like to you being an authentic leader or being an authentic person? It's when things become no holds bar, where you feel strong enough to speak your truth and know that it doesn't matter if someone might not really believe in what you're saying, but you believe it in yourself. Everybody is, everybody has an opinion and it's okay because everybody's opinion is valid. Right. But take what you want. Yeah. Take, take, take what you want from that opinion. There's lessons in all those opinions. Um, It's just what you choose to kind of bring into your life as well. And I think when we talk about leadership, um, leadership is, is a hard path to be on because when you start to put yourself out there as a leader, you have to be responsible for what that, what it means to be a leader. So the responsibility might mean, how am I affecting the people I'm talking to? How do my words come out? Um, because there's young, there's individuals that are in in the like youth sphere that are really listening, and they listen to every single word you're saying. So if you're saying something that doesn't kind of jive and and shows, basically you're not walking your talk, then then leadership can go very skewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think leadership has a has a very big responsibility. Yeah, right. Because I think you are um, you people hold their faith in you. That, that you are doing what's best for you, whether mm-hmm. that's the organization or the club or the event or whatever it is that you're leading, right? So, but the leader, a leader, a true leader, is someone that will get into into it. You know, that will will answer that phone when you know you know step down. You won't even know who that leader is. Actually, that's what defines a good leader. Is you won't even know who the leader is because they're like anyone else in that room. I like that. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes. Is we are all leaders and we potentially can be. We just can't tell which one's a leader because they they are doing everything to be like anybody else. That's how you lead, mm-hmm. right? Because you lead by example. You lead by, you know, working the phones or if you're doing an event, <laughs> folding the, the flyers, you know, um, you know, getting down and yeah, it's just about wearing the many hats and and embracing that. Not being on the armchair, not the armchair being a, leader. Yeah, or, no. Yeah, you're right, and I think that comes back to if you're not authentic in what you're doing, then you're you're probably in the wrong place. And plus, you know what? If you're not being authentic in what you're doing, life can get very boring because mm-hmm. you're stuck in a pattern of trying to please everyone else mm-hmm. instead of actually trying to please yourself. Because in the end, we only have this one life to live, and if we can lead from a, from a heartfelt place. We're gonna we're gonna be able to influence a lot of many different people. 
I want to. I think that's a great place to leave it. Um, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to come and uh, and be on an episode of Run It Like a Girl. Thank, thank you. you so much. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. Brian Long is the producer. Web design and technical assistance provided by Dan Moak. And music courtesy of the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk. On the next episode of Run It Like a Girl, Tammy Valere is a kindergarten teacher, an artist, an author, and a champion for organic living. She's co-authored a book, Awaken Your Inner Hero, featuring the stories of 100 kid heroes across Canada. Tammy was a co-ambassador for last May's Winspiration Day in Toronto, which aimed to bring people together for positive change. Tammy Valere on the next episode of Run It Like a Girl.